I want to start off with a story. And uh, in this story, there's, an, there's this uh, elderly woman, and she's well known for her faith in the Lord. She's well known. Like, everybody knows her for her faith, right? Every morning, she goes out bold and unashamed onto her porch, and she shouts, praise the Lord. Next morning, she goes out on her porch and shouts, praise the Lord, for the whole neighborhood to hear, for the whole town. Every day, that's what she does. And um, one, you know, she, and, and the funny thing about this, this woman doing this is that right next door to her, there's an atheist that lives there. He's getting fed up of hearing her say, praise the Lord. This morning, she goes out and she says, praise the Lord. And he says, you know what, I'm going to shout back. And he shouts back, there ain't no God. And, she said, and then she continues to say, praise the Lord. Well, within time, uh, this woman fell on hard times. Things got a little tight. Things got difficult. She started, you know, uh, she, you know she was a little under, under pressure. She didn't have the money coming in like she used to. And she was going through it. But it didn't stop her praise. So this morning, she goes out, and she says, praise the Lord. God, I need you. And she's shouting this from her porch. I'm having a hard time, God. I need you to help me. Send provision, Lord. But, you know, you're, you're capable of doing it. And she goes, Lord, I love you, I praise you, and I need some groceries. That was her, that was her morning yell, her shout. Next morning, she goes out on her porch, and she notices, to her surprise, there are bags of groceries, I mean, filled to the top. And she says, man, God is good. Praise the Lord. And she comes out, and as she's getting the, 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 the groceries, her neighbor jumps out of the bushes. Aha! I told you there's no God. I bought you those groceries. And the elderly lady turns. She's like, praise the Lord. Not only did God provide, but he made the devil pay for it. <laughs> this woman was unashamed. Unashamed. She didn't care who lived next door. She only knew that she was praising the Lord and nothing was going to stop her. Right? Nothing was going to stop her. You know, we all shout. The title of today's sermon is They Shout It. We all shout. And uh, we shout in, in various different settings for their various different reasons. We know that we shout at sports events. You know, if you go to a game, baseball game, football game, if you go to any of those games, more likely you're going to shout. You're going to shout when your team scores a touchdown, and you're going to shout when the other team scores a touchdown, but just not a nice shout. It's a different shout. Come on, man, right? And so we shout in sports events. We shout in celebrations, in, in, in weddings, right, birthdays, you know, uh, uh, graduations. We shout. Some of you had those parents that would embarrass the kids, right, because they would shout from the back, that's my you know, woo! 
and then you end up doing it to your child now when they graduate. That you had that done to you, and you do it to them. And we shout because we're filled with excitement. We're, we're, we're happy. We're joyful. We shout. Some of us shout for reasons that, uh, you know, we're angry. We're frustrated. And so we shout. We shout. Uh, I know someone that has a neighbor. If I, if I say to someone, then it's too, it's too simple. People get it. I know someone that has a neighbor that we can hear the shouting from across the street. Across the street. They live across the street, and I hear the shouting. I hear the anger. I hear all the, 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 the commotion. I hear the shouting. Many of us shout when we're angry and we're frustrated. Some of us shout in pain. Sometimes the pain is so much. We lose somebody and we shout. We, we, we cry out. You know, we, we bang our, 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 our finger when we're, when we're hammering something. And you shout. Ah! You shout in pain. In this case, in, this, in the scriptures that we're about to read, we're going to see that there's crowds. And we know that wherever crowds are, there's always shouting. There's always shouting. Especially if you're with a lot of people that like to be heard. <laughs> people are going to be shouting because they want to be heard. As the Jews, as Jesus reached uh, the last week of his ministry, as, he's get, as, as the countdown has begun, right, there were crowds. There were crowds that followed him, and there was much shouting surrounding him. Today, we're starting um, the first of a two-week series. So this is part one of two sermons. I didn't think you guys wanted me to put this all in one because we'd be here for quite a while. So we broke it in half, and um, this is part one. And so in, part, in this part, we're going to travel, in, in these two messages, we're going to travel with Jesus um, during the last week of his ministry to different uh, events where crowds were shouting. Different events where crowds were shouting. Um, to give you a total, it's probably going to be four events. Today we'll talk about two, and next week we'll talk about two more. And um, two events where the crowds were following and they were shouting in the presence of the Lord. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Verses 34, 35 to 40. Luke chapter 19, verse 35 to 40. Praise God. It says, then they brought him to Jesus, the donkey, and they threw their own clothes on the coat. And they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you this, I tell you that if these should keep silent, 
the stones would immediately cry out. The stones would cry out. Praise God. The first events that we're going to talk about where they shouted was they shouted at the entrance. They shouted at Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They shouted. Here comes Jesus. He's riding on a donkey, right, on a colt of a donkey, and he's riding into Jerusalem. He's coming down. He's descending, and, and, and the people are shouting. They're rejoicing. They're throwing their clothes on the path. Um, in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, he's the one that says that they had palms, and they were putting palms and waving palms. And so this is happening. They're, 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 they're celebrating. They're celebrating the entrance of Jesus. There is excitement in the air. They're excited. They're happy. They're joyful. I mean, this is a party going on right now. But why? Why are they so excited? Why are they shouting so much? Let's talk about that. They're shouting for several reasons throughout in, in, his, in his entrance. They're shouting for various reasons. One was that through Jesus the man, they experienced excitement. What does this mean? What do you mean excitement? Jesus had come, and he had switched things up. He had shown up, and all of a sudden, there were miracles. All of a sudden, there was supernatural. All of a sudden, people, uh, they're starting to see the power and, and, and the supernatural at work at his fingertips. Like, this is something amazing. They had never seen this, these things before. Jesus would go, and, and, and he, would, he would take the blind, and now they would see. The lame are now walking. The dead are now raised. He raised the dead. People were seeing this. You know, he took a little boy's lunch and he fed thousands with them. So people are excited. Through Jesus the man, they had experienced excitement, something amazing, and they were shouting and rejoicing. Because, yo, this guy's amazing. He does some crazy things. Nobody can do things like this. Many in the crowd, some in the crowd actually truly loved him. But many were in love with the miracles. Many were in love with the supernatural. Many were in love with the, wow, he can do things that I've never seen before. Many were in love with those things. But they weren't in love with him. Many of us listening or watching, we shout to Jesus because we too love the miracles. We shout and we rejoice because we too understand what he's either done or what he can do. And so, oh, we love Jesus because Jesus can do this miracle. And that's the wrong reason to love him. It's the wrong reason to love Jesus. Yes, Jesus can do miracles. Yes, he can, he can heal the sick. He can make the blind see. He can, he can um, raise the dead. But, but that shouldn't be why we love him. Loving the miracles of Jesus doesn't mean that we are saved. The crowds were excited. They shouted at his entrance because through Jesus, the messenger, 
they had experienced enlightenment. Jesus, the messenger. What does this mean? Well, many were shouting because Jesus had brought some radical teachings. He, had, he, he, he began teaching, and they had never heard someone teach the way Jesus had, 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 pre- had preached and taught to them. You know, they were used to the teachings of, of the scribes and the Pharisees, and, 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 it, was, and it, it's, it's, it was refreshing to hear the teachings of Jesus. It felt like anyone could sit with Jesus and listen to him teach and listen to him disciple. See, Jesus, it was through Jesus they had heard uh, Jesus that they saw something different and they were drawn to that. They were drawn to the different. Matthew 7, verse 28 to 29, it says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. You know, church, there are people today that are drawn to those that teach differently. There's nothing wrong to having a favorite teacher. There's nothing wrong with with being drawn to someone for the way they teach or the way they preach, and, and that's good. But I want, I want to clarify some things. You see, because it becomes wrong when you begin to push everything and everyone else aside. And when you hear from this one individual or one particular source, that it's like an angel speaking directly to you. Where it becomes a form of idolatry. Let me explain this to you. God can speak and, use, and, and speak through and use anyone. He can. There are some that speak and preach better than others. Amen. Praise God. But when we begin to idolize an individual, when we begin to idolize a person feeling like this is God speaking to me, then we're in a bad place. We cannot, and we see this, I mean, I mean let, me, let me give you some examples. Um, <laughs> let me give you just one then. I'm not going to do that one. All right, um, so what happens is this. This person is coming to town, and you drop everything because you have to see this one person. All of a sudden, this person is doing a, a service in Texas, so you leave everything, and you fly to Texas. This person is now teaching in, in Chicago. You drop everything, and you go to Chicago. And before you know it, everything else has taken a backseat, and you have become a groupie to an individual that God can speak through but it is not God. And you're following this person more than you're following God, even in your own relationship. And so there's a problem. Many were shouting on this day because they were so intrigued with the message and the messenger, right? They were so intrigued with the messenger. This guy's awesome. This guy's awesome. And they're following. But yet, yet, even though they were intrigued with the messenger, they weren't receiving that he was the Messiah, so, yeah, I love the message. I love the way this guy teaches. I love the way this... No, but you're not the son of God. So, just because they love the message, 
Just because you love the way someone teaches or preaches doesn't mean that you're saved. Doesn't mean that you're saved. Oh, I follow... (laughs) No names today, no names. I follow this guy on, on Instagram. I follow this guy on Facebook every day, every day, every day. I'm like, I'm glad. Uh, have you given your, Christ, your life over to Christ? Oh, I, I watch him every day. Okay, amen. Have you accepted Christ for yourself? Are you in a relationship with God? I mean, well, I watch this guy every day. That doesn't mean anything. You could watch someone 20 times a day. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? So the crowds are excited at the entrance because Jesus, the Messiah, through Jesus, the Messiah, because they had experienced expectation. Today's Palm Sunday, right? We celebrate the fact that about 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode on a donkey to Jerusalem. It was a, triumph, a very triumphant entry. For the disciples of Jesus, this was a day of excitement. They rejoiced. They were happy. But for Jesus, for our Lord, it was a day of disappointment and heartbreak. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being the only one that really knew why you were there? If you talk about feeling lonely, I can only imagine how Jesus felt right now. He's got his crew. He's got his, he got his you know, 11 pretty much. <laughs> during this time, and um, they're with him, and they're all excited. They're all happy. They're all having an amazing time. The people are shouting, and you know you got to feel some kind of like, some kind of like uh, honor when you're like traveling with the guy. You know, you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? When you're with the guy. So when you go places with someone that they're the main person, right, and you're with them, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, I'm with this guy. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, are you on the list? No, but I'm with him. Oh, okay. And let you in, right? It, it, it feels good. It feels good. Can you imagine the way these disciples felt when they were walking into Jerusalem? I mean, the, the place is, is going wild. They're shouting. They're singing. This and they're like, yeah, I'm with him. I've, I've been with him these last three years, all me. You know, we've been hanging out with him. You know, we go out to eat. He teaches us personally. You don't get no personal teachings. We get personal one-on-one time. You know, I, you could imagine the way they felt. A lot of puffed-up egos maybe, whatever the case may be. But Jesus sitting on that donkey. He's going into this, and he's seeing the people shouting. He's seeing the people yelling. He's seeing how the excitement and all this emotionalism, which we're guilty of experiencing in churches today as well, right? I mean, I can get up here, and if I start shouting and jumping, guess what? Y'all going to start shouting and jumping too because it's contagious. You know what I mean? I could, I could be like, whoa! Y'all going to be like, whoa, yeah, yeah. I, I could do that. I could get you guys riled up, right? I mean, can I? I mean, come on, give me that. The problem is, in, in many of the churches, uh, in a, in a, the problem with the body of Christ t- today, society, is that there's too much emotionalism involved in it. And the problem with emotionalism is this. <laughs> when you're not getting hyped up no more, then what happens? 
when you're by yourself and the trials and tribulations come and there's no reason to be excited, now what happens? How do you break through those instances? How do you, how do you get past that? How do you overcome that? Because you weren't taught that in the hard times you hold on to Jesus and still celebrate. You were taught to yell and to jump when they were yelling and jumping and scream when they were screaming. But when all the music and the silence is, when, it, when all the music and shouting is gone, what happens? When you're by yourself, what happens? Can you still be excited in your relationship with God when there's no one hyping you up, when you, when you don't got a flavor flame standing next to you? Right? When you don't got a hype man standing next to you, getting you all riled up, like what happens now? Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem and is heartbroken because he sees this. This is, this is all emotion. They're doing this now, but... I know what they're going to do in a couple of days. He's like, I'm here, and they don't even know why I'm here. They're celebrating, and they don't even know what's supposed to be. They haven't really truly accepted who I am. This is the day that Jesus, he, he wants to make it clear to everyone who saw who he really was. Listen, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. <laughs> through his life, through Jesus' life and his public ministry, he, uh, he had proven himself to be the Messiah. I'm talking about, like, I don't know. If you needed more proof than what he, <laughs> how he lived and what he did, I don't know. I mean, we look back at it, and I remember... Uh, there's a, uh, Keith, Keith was in our Bible study. Remember when we would have Bible study and, and Keith would be like, but I don't get it. Like, don't they see this? Like we would talk about the power and the, and the miraculous work of, of Jesus. And he said, how could they not see that he was Jesus, the son of God? I mean, he did this. I, I mean, we look back at it now and, we, and, and, and we're like, yeah, I know. Like, how could they be so blind? But the funny thing is that we walk blind today. When God begins to work in our lives and we say, we say, oh, where's Jesus in this? And, when, and people are looking at you like, don't you see Jesus in this? Like, I, like you know, like you want, you know, you, you pray for this job and you don't get the job. Oh, where's Jesus in this? Oh, guess what? He probably just saved you from a lot of grief, heartache, and a mess. Oh, you know, I want this house, and you know, I'm, that's that's where I'm at. I need I need to find a house. We were house hunting, and and I need this house, but ah. Oh, Somebody else got it. Oh, somebody else. Guess what? Guess what? You know why I'm at peace? Because God will open the doors to the house that he wants me to have. You know how, you know how peaceful it is and how relaxing and stressless <laughs> it is? <laughs> Stress-free it is to, to not have to worry about things like that? To understand that, that, like, you know what, I'm leaving this in the hands of God. He's going to take care of it. I don't have to worry about it. I know he's in it, even though I may not see that he's there, he's there. I don't get it. We live that way. We say, how could they have been so dumb? He did miracles right in front of their faces. And then we're guilty of not being so smart these days when God is actively functioning in our lives. They saw that he fulfilled prophecies. 
They saw that he performed miracles. He even told them several times that he was the Savior that they were anticipating, but they refused to accept that. So on this day, on this day, he's letting them all know, look, I am the Messiah. And one of the ways that he did it was by fulfilling the prophecy of the Savior that was to come to Israel. We, we, we see it in Zechariah 9.9. It says this. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. You see, the people were excited because the Messiah is here. The Savior is here because he's fulfilling the prophecy. The prophecy said that he's going to come in on a colt, and he's coming in on a colt, so this is definitely the Messiah. Now we're happy. Now we're excited. Right? We're excited. We're excited because we are certain that this is the guy that's going to free us and set us free from the clutches of Rome. That's why they were excited. They weren't so excited that the Son of God was now in their presence. They were excited that they had the expectation that they were going to be free. Free from Rome. They were more excited about being free from Rome than accepting that they were in the presence of the Son of God. Unfortunately, they missed the point. It went right over their head. They missed the significance of this event. Yes, Jesus came, you know, he fulfills the prophecy. Yes, by him entering like that, and this, he, he's, he's forcing the hands of the religious leaders because, you know, they were already plotting to kill him. We know that, right? And so, so yes, in, in this, it forces the hand for the religious leaders to then execute their plan and then eventually take him to the main reason why Jesus enters Jerusalem. His sole purpose was to get to Calvary. His sole purpose, his reason was because he was heading toward the cross. That's why he's here. That's why he enters Jerusalem. He had a mission to do. He had a mission to carry out. And he had to go because this is where his purpose would begin. His purpose to die on the cross. He even lets his disciples know this back in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 21. He says this. He says, um, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. He tells his crew, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. But, you know, in all the excitement, in all the yelling and the celebration, that's the last thing on their mind, right? They're not thinking this. Today, there are many that enjoy the miracles. There's many people that enjoy the miracles. There's many people that enjoy the message. People that enjoy the messenger, 
But the fact is that, that none of that, none of that gives you salvation. The, the truth is that, you know, none of that gives you salvation. And yes, it's great to see miracles. Yes, it's great to, uh, to, to listen to someone who can teach very well. It's great to, to, to receive a message. And it's all that, all that is great. But the thing is this, the thing is that none of that gives you salvation. And that's important that we understand that factor because some people would just look into all the other things thinking that they're okay with God. But it's much more than that. You see, salvation doesn't come through anything else other than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Listen, and this sounds, let me finish before you guys go, all right, let me finish. Jesus did not come to heal you, right? Jesus did not come to feed you. He did not come to bless you. He did not come to make your bank account bigger. He did not come to give you the perfect car, the perfect house, the perfect boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. He did not come to do those things. (gasps) What? Jesus did not come to fulfill just to fulfill a bunch of dusty old prophecies for the nation of Israel. You ready for why he came? Jesus came for the sole purpose of going to the cross and dying on that cross for you and for me. He died for the sins of man. My sins. Your sins. That's why he came. Now, guess what? Some of the results of him being around are the blessings that follow him. In the same aspect of our relationship with him, our relationship of him isn't dependent on the blessings, on the healings, on the feeding. Our relationship with him is not dependent on those things. Our relationship with him is a personal relationship that we have, understanding that, yo, you died for me in my sin. Like, you knew what I would do. You knew how I would act. You knew how I would rebel. You knew how I would turn my back on. You knew that I would crucify you all over again, and yet you died for me? You see, that's the thing. And so when you understand that, you have a relationship with him, and you love him because you know what? There would be nobody else that would do that for you. No matter how much somebody loves you, they're not going to take on and die for your sins. They're going to be like, well, they deserved it. I don't know. They should never did that. They should never borrow money from that dude. I told him not to do it. We love him because he did what no one else would ever do or could do. He died for our sins, giving us access also to the Father. We don't need to go to a priest. And tell him, listen, when you go talk to God, tell him I did this, tell him I did this. Ask him if he'll forgive me. Ask him if he'll forgive me. And then that guy will tell you, yeah, he'll forgive you if you do this, 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 and this. That's not how it works at all. Jesus dying on the cross, we, we, have, a direct, we have a direct line to God the Father. You could talk to him. You could reach out to him. You know, um, 
He didn't come to do all those things I mentioned. He didn't come to do all that. He came to be the savior of this world. You know what? You know what the, the hard thing is this? When, when many of us, we gra- our relationship with Christ is dependent on the blessing. It's dependent on the healing. It's dependent on the miracle. And then what happens when we don't receive healing? Oh, no, but God heals everybody. Uh, I'm sorry it doesn't work that way. <gasps> Another. <gasps> Listen, you guys know me. I've already said it to you before. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't tell you all the fluffy stuff because when you hit the reality in your Christian walk, you won't be surprised. Not everyone gets healed. Not everyone gets better. Not, every, not, 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 because, not just because you prayed doesn't mean that you'll get it. Listen. If our, de- our relationship is dependent on those things, the second we don't have those things happening in our lives, then we walk away from God. Oh, he didn't heal this person. He must not be real. Oh, he didn't answer my prayer when I asked for this specific thing. He must not be real. And we walk away from God. They shouted at his entrance but they didn't understand that there was more to it. Those who know Jesus, those, that truly, those of us that truly know Jesus know that there is a reason to shout. There is truly a reason to shout, right? We know that he's worthy of our shouting and worthy of our praise, but at the same time, those who don't know him will always attempt to shut you up because they don't want to hear your shouting. Just like the guy next door, the atheist in the story. He didn't want to hear her praising the Lord. He's trying to shut her up. In this same aspect, we turn, uh, let's read the verses uh, 39 and 40. And it says, uh, of Luke chapter 19, and it says, then, then some Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, teacher. Uh, and then some Pharisees called him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay silent and be replaced by a rock. So let me talk about that for a quick second. I don't want to stay silent and be replaced by a rock. Listen, God will receive his praise. He will receive his praise. We're not that special right, that we feel like us being quiet is going to affect the praise that he gets. What happens is by us being quiet, we miss out on the opportunity to praise an awesome God. Do you understand that? And so what happens is when we're worshiping and we're singing and we're praising, this is an opportunity, especially since there's music, you know, kind of filling the room, because not all of us can sing, right? Not all of us have beautiful voices, but guess what? It doesn't matter. Like, we should be shouting and worshiping and praising. Like, like it, should be, it should be that we would have to turn up some of the speakers so that they can hear the instruments because our voices are so loud. That's how it should be. You guys should be looking forward for any opportunity to shout and to praise and to worship your God. So sometimes I just don't understand it. Sometimes it's like, what's up? Wake up. Get some coffee. Do something. Shake around a little bit. Put your hands up. You know? And I know some of you may start like this. 
This is the, prog- this is the progression of, of people lifting their hands. It starts like this. They get comfortable. Then it's like this. Then they do the, they do the, 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 the elbows are still in, right? They do the elbows still in. And then eventually they, they put one and, and then it goes to the sideways. And then they kind of, then they kind of do like this. They kind of lean down so not many people will see them, right? When you are free, it's an awesome experience to be free in the Lord and worship. You throw your hands up. You throw your hands forward. You throw yourself on the floor. You get on your knees. It doesn't matter who's here, who's watching, what song is even playing. What it matters is that you're worshiping and shouting and praising an awesome God that over 2,000 years ago decided that even though you were, you know, even though you don't deserve anything, even though you would make many mistakes, even though some of us did some very bad things, he loved us even beyond that. And he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey when everyone was celebrating his arrival, knowing that he was getting closer and closer to his death for a bunch of ungrateful people because that's what we are. The second event, it won't be as long. Don't worry about it, guys. Is that uh, they shouted at his trial. John chapter 19, verses 15 and 16 says, But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. The words cried out. It means that they were screaming for, they they demanded for something to be done. The crowds were shouting and chanting and, and saying, crucify him, crucify him. They were shouting now. You know, they, 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 had a, they had a hunger that needed to be satisfied, and it was only going to be satisfied with the blood of Christ. You know, the thing is that many people that are in this crowd saying crucify him were many of the same people that were in the previous crowd saying Hosanna, yet waving their palms and throwing their clothes on the floor, now shouting crucify him crucify him, wanting the death of Christ. Why all of a sudden the change? What happened? Weren't they excited? Weren't they happy? Well, there's a couple reasons, and, and, and we'll quickly talk about them. One was that they considered him an imposter. An imposter! Wasn't the Messiah supposed to come and save us from Rome? Wasn't the Messiah supposed to come and, and, and remove us from the bondage of, of, of this, this, this tyrant? He's supposed to be a king. Where's his army? Oh, this guy lied to us. He's not, he's not going to deliver us from Rome. He's no king. Where's, where's his soldiers at? Where's his troops? I mean, these 11 guys, they ain't going to cut it. You were supposed to save us from Rome. 
You were supposed to be a king with an army. You lied to us. Crucify him. They considered him an instigator. See, Jesus defied their religious rulers. He didn't bow down or bend down to the, the, the religious leaders and the, and the priests and the scribes. He possessed an authority of his own. He possessed an authority that was far greater than what they ever wanted him to have. He was too powerful. He was too influential. This guy, this guy, you know, he talks, people listen to him. He's too influential. He goes against us. He's instigating crucify him. Crucify him. And third, they considered him an intruder, an intruder. He spoke against their religion. He broke their rules. Here this guy comes, says that he's the Savior, says that he's the Son of God, and all of a sudden he's breaking all these religious rules. You know? Here, here he is uh, um, healing on the Sabbath. How could you? How could you heal on the Sabbath? We don't do anything on the Sabbath. Jesus sat with sinners and ate with them. Wait, you call yourself the son of God and you sat with that person? That person's dirty. That person's a sinner. How could you do that? This guy goes against everything we stand for. If we allow this guy to be around, then, then it's going to destroy the systems that we have. You know what destroyed some systems? COVID destroyed some systems, I'll tell you that. The church got stuck in a rut, and the church got stuck in some systems. And COVID, guess what? Thank you, Jesus. It disturbed a lot of those systems. You know what? It's not the building that, that has the presence of God. It's not the building that will make us grow into better Christians. It's our personal decision. And this is, and this is listen, 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 don't get me wrong. Don't take it the wrong way. But COVID exposed. Listen, if you're watching, listen to this. What COVID did was expose those that truly had a relationship with Christ and those that didn't. Some of us were dependent on the church building. Some of us were dependent on the worship team to lead us in worship. Because if you don't worship, then I won't worship. Some of us were dependent on the pastor preaching, but they had to be right here because, you know, they don't want to watch through a screen, right? And so what happens is, what happens is, during this COVID season, if you did not have a true relationship with Christ, if, you, if your relationship wasn't dependent on the love you had for him, knowing the love he had for you, then you're one of the 40% that's missing. Is that too rough? That's not too rough. That's truth. But if you're listening and you're guilty of that and you're convicted of that, guess what? You can repent and come back right and see like, like it never happened. Like that's the thing. Like, like we can jump right back in and then make a decision today to say, you know what? I'm not just dependent on what these things, I'm not dependent on these things. I want a relationship with Christ. I want to grow. Many, many that were disconnected during this season they don't read the word for themselves. Do you understand that this is food? That this will sustain you? 
that even when you find yourself alone with no one around in your house locked up that you can worship and read this and you will be filled with the presence of God in such a powerful way to this day to this day I think one of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced with God was in my bedroom folding laundry and I'm like yo God you got to hook me up that was amazing we got to have something like that again we got to do something where you want me to be now in the basement you want me to be where, where you want me to be Send me. If we grow dependent on him being in a, in a place or only him moving when there's particular or specific songs or things like that, then we don't have relationship with God. He spoke and sat with sinners. How could he? Well, people say that probably about me because I sit and I eat with sinners. Well, first of all, we're all sinners. So if I sit and eat with you, then I've, ate, I've sat and ate with a sinner. But for the context of letting you guys know, yeah, I've sat and have spent time with people that are not Christians. And guess what? I'll continue doing it. I don't let them influence me. I hope that the, that the light in me shines I'm hoping that the love of God in me affects their lives because I want them to know the God that I know. I want them to make the decision that I made. I want them to experience eternal life. You know, when you start thinking eternity, uh, when you start having an like, uh, eternity mindset and you look at people, like, do you understand that when you look at someone, that someone that you're looking at is going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell. Like every time you look at someone, be reminded that person will spend eternity in one of those two places. And if they don't have a relationship with God, they have not accepted Christ, then it's not heaven. Do you love them? Do you love them? Do you care for them? then be an example of God's love. Because I know we can't force people. Don't do that. Don't force people. Unless you're a teenager living under your mama's house, then guess what? You're going to be here. People say, oh, but they're grown. They can make their own decisions. Yeah, they can, and they will. But you know that you being stern parents in their upbringing while they're children, right, while you guys are here, if you make some bad decisions in the future, you're always going to remember what you learned here today because of what your parents did, because they brought you no matter what. I went to church probably like a million times a week growing up. I look back at it now and thank God I went a million times a week because some of the decisions that I made as an adult, God brought to memory a lot of those teachings that I learned when I was a child, a teenager. And it helped call me back. It helped bring conviction to my life. He sat with his sinners and we can't have this guy poisoning our religion. Our customs crucify him. They shouted at his entrance. There was excitement and expectation. 
They were amazed at what they saw. They were amazed at what they heard, but they still didn't truly know who Christ was. They shouted at his trial because he didn't meet their expectation. They had plans. They had plans. You know how some people make plans even before things go through? Like, they saw him on a donkey coming in, and someone probably already made a plan. All right, you know what? Once we get delivered from Rome, I'm going to move there. I'm going to get that house. I'm going to do this. They, had, they started making their own plans. And guess what? Those plans didn't come through because he was there for a deeper, a more meaningful purpose, which they completely missed. Can you guys stand with me this morning? I have a question for you today. Real simple question. And the question is, why do we shout today? Why do we shout? Some of us need to shout more in the presence of God. But why do we shout today? Are we shouting because of what we've heard about God? Are we shouting because of what we heard of the things that Jesus has done? We, we hear like, oh, he's done this, he's done that. And so we shout because of those reasons. Are we shouting because we expect healing? We shout because we expect blessing? We shout because we expect provision? I mean, is this why we're shouting? Because if it's based on that, then when you don't get it, then there, there's no shouting, right? I mean, what if God doesn't do what you wanted him to do? Would you quickly turn around and say crucify him? Because that's what they did. You see, they were happy and they shouted because he was showing up. And the second that he didn't do what they thought he would do, what they expected him to do, then they turned around and quickly said, crucify him. Today, I want, us, I want to remind us this. There's reasons to shout. And let me, let me tell you this. Let us shout. Let us shout because we have a personal relationship with him. Let us shout because we've experienced an unconditional love that nobody else can give us. Let us shout because he promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's shout because he came to die so that you may live. Let's think about this. What are we shouting about? What are we shouting about? Are, are, are we the crowd in Jerusalem? Are we the crowd during the trial? Where are we? Why are we shouting? Let's make a decision today. Make a decision today. We're going to shout because I love him. I'm going to shout because he loves me. I'm going to shout because he died on the cross when I was a mess. He knew, and yet he still loved me that much. Let's be reminded that Jesus felt each lashing. He felt each beating. Each, he felt that. When he hung there on that cross, it hurt him physically 
and emotionally as he hung there knowing that he had to go through this. None of us like pain, right? None of us will ever feel and experience the pain that he went through on that day. Let's make a decision. Let's know why we're shouting. And if you're not shouting for the right reason, then you might be guilty of shouting crucify him when things don't go your way. It's time to make a decision. What are the new words that we use like intentional, right? So it's time to be intentional. It's time to be intentional to make a decision that we're going to be shouting for the right reasons. If you find yourself, if you spend a moment to reflect and you realize, man, you know what? I've been shouting for wrong reasons. I've been shouting for maybe for the things that he's going to do or for the things that he's done. And, and, and I know he's awesome and he's great. But you know what? I haven't truly been shouting because of my love for him because he loves me first. Like he loved me first. And so, so I had things a little backwards. I had things a little misunderstood. And I want, I want to just, we want to pray with you this morning. We just want to pray with you this morning. As I'm praying and, 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 and the altar is going to be open, so feel free to come forward. We want to pray with you this morning. The crowd shouted at his entrance. The crowd shouted at his trial. Next week, we talk about how the crowd shouted at his execution. And then we talk about how they shouted when he rose from the dead. I'm excited. It gives us all the more reason to shout, knowing why we're shouting. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. The altar is open, Lord. We want to pray. We want to pray with you guys today. We ask right now, Lord, that you just reach out and you stir their hearts, Lord. Many of us, Lord, we need an embrace of your love today. We need to be reminded today, Father God, why we shout. It's not for the things that, that you can do, but it's for the one thing that you've already done. The sacrifice on the cross for each and every one of us. Father God, forgive us because many of us, Lord, we, we don't appreciate the sacrifice like we should. We want to pray with you this morning that you be encouraged and you be motivated that wherever you go, that you may shout knowing that he is the savior of the world. Knowing the Messiah came to sacrifice himself for you. Knowing that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Father God, right now we lift you up. If there's someone watching today that has never accepted you, Lord, as personal Lord and Savior, today can be that day. Today can be that day. Let's pray if you want to make that decision. Father God, I'm a mess, Lord. I'm a sinner. And I need you. I'm tired of doing everything on my own. I'm trying of finding every solution on my own. I'm tired of trusting in man. I need you, Lord. Come into my heart today. Cleanse me, Father God, of all the filth of my life. Teach me and lead me to be a disciple of you.
Use me, Father, for your kingdom. I know that you are Jesus, Son of God, and that you have come to save us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.